The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. It's a Sports Fix Thursday. I'm here, Tommy's in Frederick at the Fortress of Solitude. It's a beautiful fall day here in our nation's capital and surrounding areas. It's going to be gorgeous today, sunny in the 70s. These are the days, Tommy, these mid-October days that are honestly my favorite days of the year. When we get into the, you know, the beginning early stages of fall, so it's not too cold yet. Temperatures in the upper 60s, 70s. I took a walk early this morning before the radio show. How about wow. that? Yeah, I got up. It was like 4:15, and, and I uh I it's opened still up dark. It was so oh, it's pitch black. Um, and I just took a I took a walk uh, around the neighborhood for a little. You know, was listening to to various things, and it was so pleasant and peaceful out there. And today it's going to be warm. Best days of the year in in the Mid Atlantic region of the United States. Wow, we we got the warm and fuzzy Kevin today. I like I love this weather, and I think it should be in these in the times we're living in. These are the days that should really be cherished. Especially because of what's coming. Winter's coming. <laughs> winter's as coming. they say as they say in that stupid series that you watch, winter's coming. <laughs> Winter is coming. So, yes. And, Ned Stark and, told and us that many five, years ago. Five o'clock, five o'clock darkness and uh, a lot of cold weather. Yeah. Um it is supposed to turn chillier this weekend and very rainy, I believe, tomorrow. Hold on, I'm pulling up my little weather bug here. Um, I think it's uh, tomorrow we're going to get rain in only low 50s into the 30s tomorrow night, Tommy, into the 30s. And then uh, we've got another stretch of pretty good weather. Now, I was looking at the long range because a couple of people that I follow on Twitter that are weather related were pointing to some of the long range models hinting at cold weather for the mid-Atlantic and northeast right around Halloween um, with maybe further north, not here, uh, some some snow or sleet or whatever. It would be cold rain here. Um, but I enjoy these days. These are days, and look, our lives are crazy. Um, and yes. may, maybe you know, cherishing things, appreciating things a little bit more than we used to um, is a good thing. Like I, I actually like la- last night. I, I took the dog for a walk. It was. It's about 9.30, 9.15, 9.30. 
and I, uh, my, my youngest son surprised us from Penn State, came home. I don't know why he came home. And I told him, really, I don't want you home. Um, you know, there's risk with him coming home. I, I yeah. he's, Now he's going to go back, and then he's going to come home again right around Thanksgiving. Anyway, I said, why don't you come for a walk with me? It's so it's so nice. Enjoy the weather. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up. Nah, it's okay, Dad. I, I got of course. <laughs> I mean, I would have been shocked if he would have said yes. Yeah, so I went by myself um, and uh, enjoyed that, actually, last night. That's that's you know it, it, I'll, I'll give you some hope. Mm-hmm. It turns around someday. It turns around how? Well, uh, oh, with the, with know, the kids. Yeah, and here's oh. what happens. Uh, the uh, you know we usually have a big family gathering on Thanksgiving. You you've heard about it. I right. can't watch football in usually Philly. in 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 Philly. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, we're not going to do that this year. Yeah, you know, I mean because of, of the virus, Boy, everyone's going to be on their own. That must really upset you. Uh, well, <laughs> so, uh, my son, uh, just bought a, uh, beach house in Bethany beach. Nice. So, so he's invited us down to his place. That's perfect. To spend Thanksgiving, uh, at, at the beach. It's you perfect. Know, I was so ha- I was so happy. I said, wow, this is great. That'll be a, you know? that'll be a great uh, Thanksgiving at the beach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it 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 turns around someday. You know, it's interesting. You talk about what a great day today is. Uh, my wife and I, Liz and I, uh, after we get done with I get done with the podcast, I haven't done this. She's done this. Frederick County has several covered bridges, so we're going to go drive around and go see the covered bridges here in Frederick County. Mm. I don't. Uh, what do you, What do you mean a covered bridge? No, it's a bridge, a wooden covered bridge. It's covered. It's you drive under a bridge. You drive over the bridge, but it's covered. Right. You don't know what a covered bridge is. Well, I I know what a covered bridge is, but I'm I, I don't know why it would be so interesting to drive over. Well, they're very rare, and they're very rustic. Right. And sometimes are they the ones the blind spots that you've got? Well, I mean, mean, if I mentioned covered bridge to anyone else, they would have the image. I know what a covered. I know what a covered bridge is. I just with a rustic covered bridge. I mean, it is so cliche for this kind of thing, and you don't even know what I'm talking about. I I do know what you're talking about. I, I just don't know why it would be so thrilling to go out and drive through covered bridges. Well, are covered bridges usually in the middle of a city? No, they're not. They're usually out in places like you live, Frederick. Are they usually scenic places? I don't know if they're scenic places. Maybe they are. That would be the part that I I would admit to you that I'm sort of missing. I mean, I know what a covered bridge is. I know it's sort of, uh, but I, I don't think I've seen many covered bridges. Well, that's because there aren't many oh. anymore. Okay. But they used to be prevalent. <laughs> okay. Oh, how long ago were they prevalent? Uh, before my before my time, how's that? Yeah, I would guess that horse they were and, horse and buggy. I just days. I just pulled up um, covered bridges. Um, uh, a, a, it's co- kind a, of, it's... a covered bridge can last a hundred years. An uncovered bridge, the lifespan is twenty years. Is that true? I don't know. I've never gone into this to the uh, facts 
in the physics of the bridge oh building, you know what here Kevin. here it is there is a driving tour of covered bridges bridges in frederick county historic Bingo. covered bridges driving tour and that's what you and your wife are going to do. And I. And by the way, I'm looking at the map. You're going to be up and around Thurmont, Maryland, in Frederick County, which is right there in the Catoctin Mountains, where you yes. have um, very good trout stream fishing. This is where, when I was a kid, and I went trout fishing. My father's a big fly uh, trout fly fisherman, and I grew up uh, fishing, tr- fly fishing with my father. I lost interest in it as an adult. I'll concede that I haven't done it in years, um, but he continues to do it. And this is where we used to go when I was young, up to Thurmont, Maryland, and Big Hunting Creek was the name of the uh, stream. It was a catch and return area. And uh, it's where Camp David is. It's right. Yes. In fact, one time we went looking for Camp David and we found it. Oh, you did find it because I know it's really well, hard to find. Yeah, but we found a fenced in area that we were, were convinced was Camp David, which which uh, since uh, Obama left is pretty much dormant. I mean, this guy never goes to Camp David. Uh, right? He's been there a few times, I think. I think he's been there I've a few never, times. I, I very, I rarely read of him going up to Camp David, which is kind of his his territory. You know, there, I mean, he, up there, yeah, that, that's that, that. Those are his people. <laughs> oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yes. I mean, it's it, you know, the state of Maryland is really an interesting state, as as we both know. First of all, from a geography standpoint, it has beaches and it has mountains. You know, and yes. then it has a lot of small towns and it has big cities. Um, politically, it's very, very democratic in the big cities and in Montgomery County and in Prince George's County, et cetera. And when you get out west to Garrett County, and the, I think in order it goes Frederick, Washington County, Garrett County. Did I miss one? Alle- no, Allegheny, Allegheny County. County. You're right. It's right before Garrett. Garrett. That's right. Yeah. Frederick, Washington, Allegheny, and then Garrett. You're talking about super conservative. Well, out I there. mean, a- Allegheny and Garrett County is Appalachia. It, well, it is. It's it's part of the Appalachian mountain chain. But I mean, it's 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 the Appalachia uh, culture. I mean, I covered this area for the Baltimore Sun for, for two years. I spent a lot of time out there on roads that nobody exist, knows existed to talk to people who probably hadn't seen someone from, from the big city in a long time. That's Appalachia out there. That is a different way of life. Well, uh, okay. So, you know, when you, first of all, Cumberland was a steel town. I'm correct about that, right? Cumberland in in Frostburg, a manufacturing were, town. Yes, uh, but but I thought it was steel. I mean, when when you get out into these areas, you're you're, you're essentially now uh, you know approaching Western PA as well. But when you get to Garrett County, first of all, Garrett County basically is at three thousand feet, you know, uh, elevation and and higher. And a lot of people from Washington, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh in particular you know, spend a lot of time at Deep Creek Lake. Deep Creek Lake is a huge destination, um, and it's in Garrett County, and it's beautiful. I mean, my brother-in-law had a house there for many years. We used it all the time. When the boys were young, Tommy, 
they had much more fun at Deep Creek Lake than they did at the beach because there was so much more to do. Um, you know, uh, four-wheeling and snowmobiling in the winter. And, and the climate difference of Garrett County and the rest of the state because of the elevation, they get the lake effect snow that places like Cleveland and Buffalo and Pittsburgh get. They are at an elevation level where two and a half hours away from wh- where I sit right now and two hours away from where you are less than two hours they average 120 inches of snow a winter in Garrett, yeah. in Garrett County. Uh, believe me, I know that, you know, what you have out there is the east, what's called the Eastern Continental Divide. That's right. And they're, they're on, uh, where, yeah. Where, where water falls on one side of the divide, goes eventually, supposedly, into the Mississippi. And on the other side, on the eastern side, winds up in the Chesapeake. Is that really so, is that true? I didn't I, know that. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure about the where it eventually winds up, but that's the idea. The divide water on either side winds up in a different direction. Hmm. Well, look, and, and that and you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a different world uh, in terms of weather out there. Oh, uh, completely different climate. It is. Um, I can't tell you how many times I drove on I-68, which was sure. the interstate that th- that they built within the last 20, 25 years or so. Mm, yeah, uh, maybe a little bit longer th- than that, th- but yeah. 30 years. I, I was Look, I remember when they opened it. I covered sure. the opening of I-68. Well, you used to have to take to get to Deep Creek Lake, I think um, – uh, like Route 40 all the way. 40. Two, 219 is the one that runs sa- uh, north south. Yes. And it, you know, you take it south into McHenry, Gar- uh, uh, Deep Creek Lake, Oakland, Maryland, which is actually the big hub of Garrett County is Oakland, Maryland. Um, yes. But it was, that, I think, the county seat, in fact. But, but I think it was Route 40 before 68 was there. Yeah. Am I yeah, right? It was. But yes, it was. But I remember driving on 68 many times. Uh, which is uh, you know a four-lane interstate yeah. where it was one lane on either side. Oh, that's yeah. all that was open. Well, it, there have been times. I mean, we used to we went to Deep Creek Lake a ton, um, especially when the kids were young. Again, because my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had a house there, and we used it probably as much as they did. Um, and it was great. I mean, it was such a nice place. And you know, the thing about it is, it's you know, it literally is two hours and twenty minutes. You know, without bad weather. But when right. you're first of all, it's some of the most beautiful autumns um, out out there. But winter is harsh. And when you um, come out of Cumberland, Frostburg, when you come out of Frostburg on 68, you start to really climb to higher elevation levels, it completely changes weather-wise. Because it can be in Cumberland raining in 40, and then 30 minutes later you're in a, in, in a blizzard. Um, yeah. And it's kind of cool about that, um, to be out there. We've been out there during weekends where – you know, it it snowed two feet. Just it, and it was it was nothing. And by the way, they 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 handle it out there. They clear the roads. They function out there. Um, but again, how did we get this started? Oh, we got it started by talking about the state of Maryland and how and, different and we, it is and the weather and the weather. Yeah, and and, and how beautiful it is out today. Yeah, but Maryland That's how really all this started. Maryland has you know so much to the state. You know, I mean, I, I mentioned the beaches. We have the Chesapeake Bay and all of the you know beautiful towns. Uh, that run along the, you know, the northern neck, and 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 all the the, the bay towns are incredible. Um, 
Anyway, whatever. Uh, now, as far as ta- as far as this weekend, I know it's going to be. There are a lot of covered cooler. bridges down there too. Yes, <laughs> a lot of covered bridges. I don't think there's many covered bridges in the state of Maryland. Well, there are in Frederick. The ones in Frederick, I know. Yeah. Uh, we're planning on going to Berkeley Springs this Saturday for today. You ever been to Berkeley Springs? Yeah, that's up um, near uh, Martinsburg and up in, in Shepherdstown, yeah. that area. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's in Washington County. Right. Uh, just before you get to Allegheny County. And I had been there, you know, 30 years ago when I used to work out in Western Maryland, but I haven't been there for a while. And I've heard it's a pretty nice town. So we're going to spend the day out in Berkeley Springs. But when you say you were working in Western Maryland, it, it was when you were with the sun, you were just yes. covering Western Maryland. Yes, that's what I did. Okay. I, co- I, my, I was responsible for writing about what happened out in Western Maryland. In fact, I even did a story for the sun uh, about where exactly Western Maryland started, because that's a big source of debate among residents out here. You know, a lot of people in the East assume it starts in Frederick, but the farther West you go, the, the more people say, no, 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 it doesn't start until you get to Frostburg, some people say. So there's a big debate as to where Western Maryland really begins. Well, I wouldn't consider Frederick Western Maryland. First of all, it's but not Western, it's not think, Western uh, Maryland on the map. A lot of people think uh, uh, once, you get, once you hit South Mountain, yeah, South right Mountain's outside. like that's Hagerstown, right? Well, it's before it's it's closer to Frederick than Hagerstown. Okay, it's, South Mountain's the one. It's the elevation. I'm going to tell you right now, it's 1,200 feet because when you drive up, you see you see South Mountain 1,200 feet, and you're right. It is in Frederick on 70 um, yeah. as you're approaching Hagerstown, right? Yes. So a lot of people have always thought that South Mountain is really where Western Maryland starts. Well, that would make more sense. I'm I just pulled up a map, Frederick. Map-wise, is not Western Maryland. Hagerstown, at least you're further west and further north as well. Um, but I would cons- see Frederick to me has become a Washington D.C. suburb, extended suburb. It has, but remember, I wrote this story 30 years ago. I know, right? So, um, yeah, when you were just a pup. I'm looking at the the map now, uh, and. Um, yeah, I would I would say that Western Maryland is beyond even Hagerstown, but definitely no less than Hagerstown. You know, I should have called you and asked you what your opinion for the story I was writing. <laughs> well, I would have been a young pup. I wouldn't have had nearly the experience and perspective I have now. But I'm I'm looking. It's it's really interesting because. Um, you know, Maryland's got that Western Panhandle, which Oakland essentially is at the south part of the Western Panhandle. Deep Creek Lake sort of right in the center. And you drive about 20 minutes south of Deep Creek Lake to get to Oakland, which you said is the county is the county seat, which I, that, that makes sense to me. But you're then basically, you know, five, ten minutes away from the West Virginia line. Yeah. And then yeah, you're West, like right next to right next to Cumberland is Kaiser, West Virginia. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I mean, West Virginia is a is a state that, you know, butts into, you know, clo- well, I mean, you get Martinsburg, you know, West Virginia is right next to oh, Hagerstown. Yeah. You know, so it comes yeah, up yeah. Shepherdstown, you know. You're right. If, 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 if you're driving to, uh, you know, throughout, uh, uh, Western Maryland, you're going to hit uh, West Virginia like with sure. a stone throw sometimes. Sure, Harper's Ferry, 
which Harpers really Ferry. You, exactly. you can make it to Harper's Ferry from the D.C. suburbs in, you know, less than an hour. Really, I mean, yes. right around an hour. And then, of course, there is Charlestown. <laughs> um, I had um, I, I had this guy, Eric Zimney. Eric is such a good guy and a great guest. I've had him on the podcast before, but I had him on the radio show yesterday. Eric is the... The, the the VP of of the Sports and Race Book at Charlestown at Hollywood Casino. And we were just talking about how difficult it's been this year in football to, you know, how to, to, certainly with the over-unders. He said they got caught off guard with the over-unders early. All the points that are being scored, you know, it took a while for odds makers to catch up with it. And I said, well, did the better catch up with it? And he goes, no, they never catch up with it, <clears throat> basically, you know, before we do. But, you know, the, the, the over-under numbers last week in the NFL, it was the highest – aggregate number uh, over under number for all of the games in NFL history. I mean, you had so many games of 54, 55, 56, 57. I mean, the college numbers. And the reason, if we haven't discussed it already, I think I mentioned it to Cooley, but I heard Aaron Rodgers on uh, Pat McAfee's XM Sirius um, show two weeks ago, and he said, it, the answer is easy. There, there, there's no crowd, which means when you're on the road, there's no, there's no challenges on offense. And he, and this was after they had played in the Superdome, which was what week three or week four. And he said, my first two road games this year were in Minneapolis and in the Superdome. Those places are unbelievably loud, and it limits what you can do offensively. And he said, it's been the easiest of all time to operate offense on the road. So that's a big that's a big part of it. There are other reasons, you know, people are talking about the penalties and there have been an increase of defensive pass interference penalties. Obviously, that's going to lead to more points because the clock stops after a DPI and you typically get a big chunk play offensively out of it. All other penalties though, primary most of the others are down this year. Um but anyway, uh yeah. Uh, Charlestown is also in that. Well, this in- is Charlestown, my favorite horse track now, by the way. I really miss going there. Uh, I mean, I, I'm good for two or three trips a year, and I usually take uh, family members or friends with me. You know, the, And they love, they love the dining room there. The casino and sportsbook is actually well done. It's well it, done. It's, it, it's all well done. The racing is, is, is well done. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all good. I like going going out to Charleston. So, um, actually, in keeping with sort of the topic, um, because I had this. Well, oh, this share is this the National Geographic portion <laughs> no, of, the no, sh- no. of the show is over. No, this this has more to do with gambling. Um, okay. So, I saw this story late last night, and this is really a reflection of the times. Las Vegas was picked and selected and approved to host an NCAA tournament men's regional, <laughs> Western regional, um, in 2023. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so it'll be the first time that Nevada is going to host an NCAA championship. They did ho- hold a women's regional at the Thomas and Mack Center in 1991, but I would bet that the reason for that and I don't, they didn't say this in the story, in the wire story, is that no one was accepting bets on women's sports in 1991. 
I'll, I mean, I don't think I remember any women's sports being available to be wagered on. And it would have been basketball. It would have been women's college basketball. There wasn't a WNBA in 1991. I don't remember those point spreads ever being available. So that's probably more likely than not why there was a woman's uh, a women's event in 1991. But yeah, the men's Western Regional Final in 2023 in Vegas. Um, I wish Jerry, Jerry Tarkanian was alive to see that. Oh, no He'd doubt. get a real laugh out of that. What a character. Uh, one of the great characters of all time in, in college basketball. Uh, it will be held. I, I would assume it's not going to be at Thomas and Mack. I would assume it's going to be at the, at the Raiders Stadium. I would. That's what I would assume as well. Yeah. So unless it's at the uh, MGM Arena, which seats about twenty-one thousand, it does. But I think for these basketball regional finals, they you know we've okay. seen it. They You're typically put right. them in, in football but, stadiums. But there is another another option now besides Thomas and Mac. Yeah. Um, Out there. Well, we could, or Tommy, we could just throw up. Uh, we could throw up a court in the in in the parking lot at Caesars or the Mirage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've covered fights Me, in the parking lot at Caesars. I've been to fights in the parking lot at Caesars and the parking lot at the Mirage, which it <laughs> went from the parking lot at Caesars to the parking lot at Mirage to then actually. Mandalay Bay had the uh, had the uh, arena, and then well, the MGM, MGM had the arena first, and then Mandalay Bay. Oh, I thought Mandalay Bay had it first. No, Mandalay Bay was built after the MGM. Where was the the Holyfield Rockman fight? Holyfield Rockman, I don't know. That's where. Uh, Rockman got hit on the head. Second 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 round knockout. I was at that fight. And Holyfield? I thought that was at man. I thought that was at man. Uh, Mandalay Holyfield Bay. Holyfield Rockman. You mean Lewis Rockman? Oh, it was Lewis Rockman. My, my okay. fault. Lennox Lewis. No, that I I don't remember where that was. It may have been at Mandalay Bay, and that was a fourth round knockout. I think. I think it was second. I'm going to look it up. Oh, it wasn't second. Um. Why? Why? Why do you say it wasn't Senate? Because I was there. So I was I. It. God, we didn't know each other then. Um. Hold on for a second. <laughs> Lennox Lewis Hasim Rockman. Uh, we're gonna find this one out. That happened right after nine eleven. Exactly. It was two thousand one. Yes. You're right. Yes. And one of the yeah. things I remember about that weekend, I'll tell you in a second. Once I find the results of this, uh, okay the the first fight, which was. April 22nd, 2001. This isn't the one I'm looking for. No, that's in South Africa. Yeah. That was the one where Rockman knocked him out and okay. stunned everybody. So number two was at Mandalay Bay. Right. All right. On November 17th, 2001. And you were right. Fourth round knockout. <laughs> you know, I mean, why don't you just have a I, button I, that you push <laughs> that says okay. you're right. All right. You're right about that. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about that night. And I'm going to tell you about that um, that weekend. That was the weekend. That was the Saturday that Maryland clinched the ACC title at NC State. They had beaten Clemson the week before. This is Ralph Regan's first year at Maryland 2001, and they were the surprise team. And we sat in that Mandalay Sportsbook because we had tickets to the fight, and I just said, look, if this game goes longer, I- I'm watching the game, and if I miss the fight, I don't care about the fight. Um 
and Maryland beat NC State in Raleigh on that Saturday night. Uh, it was, you know, a night game on ESPN, and they clinched the outright ACC title, and that meant the Orange Bowl for Ralph in his first year. Remember, they ended up playing Steve Spurrier in Florida in the Orange Bowl. The other thing was the next day was an NFL Sunday, Tommy, and it was Patriots-Rams on Sunday night football. And this was, you know, this was long before, you know, that that would be the year there would be a rematch in the Super Bowl, but they played during the regular season in 2001, and they were a huge underdog. New and England. These was. are the great, the greatest uh, show on turf ramps, right? This is the greatest show on turf ramps. Yes, and they were a big underdog that particular night. I want to say they were like a 13 point underdog. It may have been less than that, um, but it was maybe a 10 point underdog. And for whatever reason, I'm like, God, I like this Patriots team. And I remember I was out there with my goody, good, really good friend Billy, Billy McGulrick and a few other guys, and I'm like, I like this Brady. I like this team. They're well coached. They're going to win this game outright. You know, you you remember your losses, your worst losses, much more than you remember your really good wins. But this is one of the wins I'll never forget. I had the Patriots plus the points, and I had the Patriots on the money line in Sunday Night Football. We didn't come home that particular weekend until Monday morning. Um, we didn't fly it back. That was the Sunday night game, and the and the Patriots didn't win the game, but it was really close. They played them really well, and they ended up, you know, playing, um, you know, really well the rest of the year. I think that ended up being their last loss. I'm, I think that was their last loss of the year, unless they lost one game going into the playoffs um, before they beat the Raiders in the snow game. That I, I, I'd have to look that up, and I'm actually in the process of doing that right now. See what we can do on a podcast that you usually can't do on radio. No, you can't. Pro football oh, reference. I used to do it on radio. I know you because, did. It's because I yeah. because I could just keep talking as you were doing right. your thing. Exactly. Here it is. Here it is. November eighteenth, two thousand one. That that was that was the night the night after the fight that that I was right. there. Um, the Rams won the game twenty four seventeen. The Rams were eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Okay, I remember it as being a 10-point favorite, but I won the bet. I didn't win the money line bet, but I won the bet. But I remember saying to, 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 to my friends, I think the Patriots are good. And I got on them the rest of the way. And they here it is. They won. They didn't lose. That was the last loss of the year. That was their last loss. To the Rams on Sunday night football, they beat the Saints, Jets, Browns, Bills, Dolphins, they had a bye week in week 16. How about that? That would never happen again. Um, they played Carolina in week 17, and then it was the you know, the tuck rule snow game against the Raiders, the win at Pittsburgh. I had them against Pittsburgh, too. I had them on the money line in the AFC Championship game, and they were a big dog in that game. You know, Ten you know point I mean, what I remember about the tuck game, I was in Chicago for that because that was Michael Jordan's return to, to, to Chicago as a Wizards player to oh. play the Bulls. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, so they sent me out there to cover it. I remember being in a bar in Chicago watching the Tuck game that night. Maybe I thought the the uh, Lewis knockout of Hasim Rahman was the second round because I got into the fight and just caught the last two rounds. Maybe that's possible. Because well, I was watching Maryland clinch in ACC football championship, which <laughs> that was the last time they did it. Yes. Um, Speaking of boxing, yeah, uh, I just wanted to alert everybody. There's a big fight this weekend, and it's on on regular TV. What's the big fight? 
uh, Vaseline Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez uh, for a, uh, a lightweight unification fight. These are two terrific fighters. And this would normally be a pay-per-view fight. For some reason, it's on ESPN hmm. Saturday night. Okay. So I highly – and here's – I'm hoping this is a TV fight. On the undercard is the guy who is worth watching in boxing right now, Edgar Berlanga. What, a, what weight a, class? He's a, he's a super middleweight, 168 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's 14-0 and 0 with 14 first-round knockouts. Wow. 14? I saw the last one he had because when he was 13-0 and – I said, I got to watch this guy. So I'm on TV, and sure enough. What's his name? Edgar Berlanga. And he's a super middleweight? Yes. 14-0, uh, <clears throat> 14 first round. Not that this is unbelievable. I, th- I forget what the record is. But uh, I think there's only two guys who have ever done better than that in the history of boxing. Uh, but this guy's worth watching. So, if, look, it was Saturday night. It's worth turning to ESPN to watch some boxing. All right, very good. I mean, Georgia, Alabama is Saturday night. It is. Well, you know, it depends. <laughs> yeah, may, may, maybe it is. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. As we are recording this, there was the story earlier this morning that Atlanta was having this big outbreak. The Falcons were having a big outbreak. And then Schefter updated the story to say it was actually just one person that tested positive and it was not a coach and or player. And so Sunday's game. But they did shut down the facility. They did today. shut down the facility, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, and then you know, yes, yeah, several, I mean, LSU, Florida's postponed. Vandy, Missouri's postponed. Georgia, Bama is on. But, you know, unless Saban's like coaching from some quarantine situation booth, He's not going to be there. And, Tommy, no. I, I was really surprised. I've never seen this before. A coach not being there. The line moved two points with the announcement of of Saban not being there. It went from six and a half down to four and a half. It's actually down to four now. I think I saw that earlier. Uh, this is a heavyweight matchup. And I know it's a weird year. I understand that. But George and Bama don't play each other typically during the regular season. You know, Georgia's in the, you know, the the SEC East and, and Bama's in the SEC West, and it's rare that they play each other. They're not natural crossover uh, partners. So you get this game Saturday night, 8 p.m. Um, on CBS, and, you know, I would guess that Saban won't be there. That would be my guess. I would guess he would not be there. Yeah. Um. All right, uh, let's take a break and let's get to the news of the day, which is for a second straight day, uh, Dwayne Haskins is a no-show at Washington's practice. It is a Sports Fix Thursday, and we will be right back after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Tommy. Um, there's actually um, a lot of Washington football team news. Uh, first of all, they sent out this press release. Did you get it already about the new hire? Yes. Very impressive. It's a very impressive resume. Uh, it's a new position, position that didn't exist. Uh, should have an impact on media and public relations. The Washington football team announced the hiring of Julie Andreef Jensen as new SVP, Senior Vice President of External Engagement in Communications. Never, that's quite the title. I've never heard of that title before. Jason Wright, the new team president, uh, made the hire, and she will be working on his side of the building. Now, for those of us in the media, and you guys don't care about that, but that she's not being hired to uh, handle public relations as, as it relates to players and coaches, et cetera. Um, Sean uh, DeBarbieri, who's been there for uh, a few years, uh, got a promotion to director of football communications. I, it's so funny. Like, I'm sitting here reading this like it's news. Nobody listening gives a shit about this because only in this town would anybody know who Tony Wiley was. <laughs> Remember that? There's yes. no other football city that knows PR people. And, and why does it know PR people? Because there's a lot of damage control with PR people being involved, and so you learn their names. Although I don't think many people knew Tony's name anyway. But, you know, it's a it's another female hire. Um, it would be uh, an important position. It would appear on the business side of the building. Um, and, um, you know, let's see what – let's see if there's another shoe to drop here in the next few days um, <laughs> on uh, on almost anything. It could another be anything. Woman. Uh, another woman, yep. Another female hire, yeah, and uh, an- another person. I'm assuming that the new team president, Jason Wright, made this hire. Yes, he did. He was responsible for the hire. Well, this is an, an, somebody else in the Jason Wright army. Somebody else who owes their job to him. <laughs> That's how you have to keep track of things in in dysfunctional places. Who owes who? But Good he, job. but to be fair, Jason just got here. He's not been a part of any of the dysfunction. He no, came but, in, but but I mean, you know what you you know this as well as anybody. You want to build up uh, a group of people who you hire, who will be answerable to you, to basically cover your behind in, in in a place like this because you you know you know what that okay place is like. i'm in it i'm in it i took the job wow this place is unbelievable i gotta get some help in here i gotta get some people to have my back because the arrows are flying in this place yeah i look i i'm the these resumes are incredibly impressive um, Jason Wright's resume in particular i have not spent a lot of time reading the new hire's resume but it's, you know, this is all about getting quality people, getting diversity into the organization. Um, and I am sure if there's more controversial stories to come, 
you know, a way in which they probably be, believe they can say, hey, don't read that over here. Look over here. Look what we just did. This is what we just hired. This is who we just hired. Seven sacks this week. Let's go for it. <laughs> right. That was the tweet yesterday. Oh, my God. Well, you know, God bless them all. Um, as long you know as. What, you know what it, this also is, too. What? It, it's watching the lamb being led to slaughter. Maybe. It is this poor woman. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm sure she. I'm sure she thinks she's she's getting something. I'm sure she thinks, you know, her life is changing for the better. Well, I don't we know, know what her, that's I, not true. We know that's not true. That part can we say is not true? Yeah, when you take a position in that organization, as exciting as maybe it, you know, it might be for people to think, oh, I'm working for an NFL team. Yes. Um, it's especially at the senior level, it usually doesn't go very well. No, not true. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, she's probably a wonderful woman, but uh, right. someday she'll look back and she'll say, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they all understand there could be a bigger change coming. I mean, maybe eventually the big change that's coming is at the top. Maybe. That, that, that's a gamble. That is a gamble. That, that's a reasonable gamble, now here's, actually, I think. You know, here's the um, – I just – But if you get – but, but the gamble is not only the guy who, who departs, meaning the unspoken owner, but when you have a new owner come in, that doesn't mean that you're going to stay there. The new owner is going to have his people. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's a risky proposition that you're thinking things will get better if, if, if they get rid of the guys who – the owner who hired me. I'm looking for her quotes in the press release to see if she refers to Jason or if there is a Mr. Snyder or if there's a Dan and Tanya. Because Dan Jason, and Tanya thing. Jason Wright was all about Tanya primarily and some Dan. But at the time, I think he was still on the boat. Um, over, uh, you know, in the south of France. Um, uh, quote from Jason Wright. I I don't see anything. I don't see a, a quote referencing anybody in the no. organization. Uh, no. her, her job. She, she was captain of the swim team at, at uh, where is she captain of the swim team? At, at American <laughs> University. All right. Is she a local? Uh... No, she she no, no she, she she went to a, she went to AU Law. She went to AU right. Law. I don't know but if she, she was, was AU undergrad. Of the swim team, uh, she grew up and in became Buffalo. an assistant coach, but she grew up in Buffalo. All right, You're very I like good. people from Buffalo. Buffalo are good people. Um, she the job says. Does anybody even care about this? No, they don't. Let's get to the let's okay. get let's get to the Dwayne Haskins stuff. So, okay. um, Dwayne. Uh, he did not. He arrived at the team facility today, but he was ill and he was sent home by the training staff again. Uh, the illness still not considered to be a COVID nineteen, um, you know, related uh, illness. Um, so he is now 
uh, missed not only two straight days of practice. Wednesdays are the first days. You know, is the first day of the week where they begin serious preparation. Monday's a day in which they come in if they need work. They need tra- you know they need uh, trainers um, and there's looking at film. And, but it's not a practice day. Tuesday's a day off typically in the NFL, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday you begin your serious preparation and practice. So he's he missed the game Sunday. He came into the facility on Monday, according to Scott. Turner and then left, um, and he's missed the last two days. I'm not going to get into you know the discussion of is he sick or isn't he sick. Clearly, you know this is uh, he could be sick, but you know coming into the building to take these tests. I mean, if he's really ill, wouldn't they be going to his house with a doctor or a trainer? He's coming in. He's saying he's not feeling feeling well. He's leaving. Again, I don't know what this situation is. Bottom line is, it's not a good relationship right now between anybody. Um, and uh, John Keim uh, had a long story this morning, and I'll just read f- uh, a little bit from it on ESPN. He said that a breakup with Haskins appears inevitable. Both sides want to move on. Several sources say concerns um, about him not being the first one in and the last one out, not staying after practice to work on his games, and not doing uh, the things that the coaches have asked uh, during the week to prepare for games and even practices um, are the concerns that the staff has. And as Kime points out, it's not just one staff now, it's two staffs that have had issues um, with this. Uh, the coach yesterday during his presser, and he'll speak again today, essentially deflected the questions, um, or he, he he didn't really answer the questions about whether or not uh, they were looking to twain, uh, trade Dwayne. He did say and and made reference to, you know, I hope Dwayne's able to develop here and we have a chance to develop him. And even Sam Fortier in the post. Um, and I'll read from that this morning. According to two people with knowledge of the situation, Rivera is not interested in trading Haskins at this point and hopes to continue developing the quarterback with the possibility of him returning to play later this year or next. Now, Ben Standig had a lot on this yesterday. Um, I'll read a couple of things from his story. Um, uh, hold on. Let me just get to the parts that are relevant. Um Questions about Haskins' work habits and maturity have resurfaced and may have played a factor in Rivera's decision. Sources, including those familiar with the situation in the team's quarterback room, expressed such concerns to the athletic. Ben writes for the athletic. Um, A trade deadline deal appears plausible despite Rivera's claims of not giving up on Haskins. The coach balked on two occasions yesterday when asked about trading Haskins. Um, Entering Wednesday, league sources tell Standig, uh, tell Ben, um, that uh, there's a question about whether or not there's a viable marketplace. Um, and that one prominent player personnel executive says he believes Rivera has positive intentions with Haskins, but he also stated his team had pre-draft questions about the quarterback's work ethic and makeup, though liked his tools and size. Um, As for a trade, this person said a mid-round selection could happen. Another executive stated plainly, nobody is trading for Haskins, at least for any value. Um, The Athletic also confirmed a report from Grant Paulson at 106.7 
that people in Washington's locker room felt the quarterback gloated about his stats after throwing for 314 yards in the 31-17 loss to Baltimore in week four. Yeah, that 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 would be a problem. Um well, I mean it's 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 what we what we saw on his social media last year. You know? Yeah. Uh I mean, you know, and it again, for a guy who wanted to be named captain, I don't think he had any clue what the what the role of a captain is. The other if thing, any of this is true. The other thing from Ben's uh, story is that based on conversations with league sources, including two high ranking executives with other teams, Washington wouldn't be as fortunate as Arizona was when they got a second rounder back for Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's look the um, the last week and a half is is interesting because you had the benching news and then you had the team deciding that it would go the route of their predecessors, which is they've soured on somebody, so now let's summarine that person publicly. Let's talk about how the other players on the team are frustrated that the other 52 players deserve better, and then let's leak a couple of things to the post so we get out our you know what, what, what was going on here, which is he wasn't preparing, he was lazy, he had a bad work ethic. And now this week, I think they probably realized, well, if we want to deal them, it's <laughs> – you know, you you got to paint it at least and make it look shiny and new. And so they're telling people, you know, Ron's talking about still wanting to work. And, you know, Sam Fortier has the story about, you know, they're interested and they're not interested in trading them. It's too late on that. You know, they, they've already... They already, you know, basically screwed the pooch, so to speak, on damaged, his value. goods right now. Yeah, I, and I don't know how much they would have gotten had they come out and said, Tommy, hey, we're benching him not because of performance or because we don't believe in him. We do believe in him. But we actually, we've got this division, and we think we can make hay in this division. God, the next six weeks look like winnable games. And Kyle just... We feel better about him running the offense right now. We didn't have an offseason. We didn't have training camp. I mean, Dwayne's picking it up. He's getting there. We're, I mean, he's going to be a quarterback for us. Um, but we just feel like right now, Kyle Allen gives us, you know, a slightly better chance to win. So we're going to do that right now. And then, you know, we'll come back to Dwayne later. And then privately try to move him. You know, privately try to trade him and just say, yeah, we're, we're, we're open to, to any offers for Dwayne. He's a great kid. Great kid. Oh, my God, can he throw the ball? Look at some of the plays <laughs> he, he had in the Arizona game late. And, um, but that's not what they did. I don't you know sound like the senior vice president of external engagement and communication. <laughs> what a title, huh? What you a know, title. I, had, I don't think you, you realize this, but I had that title at the radio station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in charge of external engagement and communication. God knows you. there was no internal engagement from you on your end. <laughs> <laughs> there was nobody you wanted to internally engage with or communicate with back in your office by yourself in a shrine built to you. <laughs> Tommy's office was literally like a shrine built to Tommy. He had every single award and sign no, thing. And, oh, award. my God. Pictures of. Wasn't enough room for every award. No, yeah, there wasn't enough room. Yeah, the the awards Whereas were kept in. Whereas your office was like a guy who, if the cops expected were to get coming, fired, you needed to get out of the out of town within five minutes. <laughs> I've always I've always stayed hungry. 
I do not want to look fat and happy and like I'm like I expect to be there forever. Every day is another day to go out and prove myself, Tommy. Every day. Um, anyway, uh, where are we on this Dwayne thing? I mean, li- well, look, listen. Uh, I'd like to get back to the sick part for a minute, mm-hmm. uh, and this is important to me. Uh, Julie Donaldson, okay, tweeted uh, the the morning of the game. Dwayne Haskins stayed at the team hotel. He was in team meetings last night. He's been dealing with an illness for a few days. Okay, so that's Sunday morning. And she says he's been dealing with this illness for a few days. A few, technically, is three. So I assume that at the very minimum, he was sick on Friday that they, that, that they knew of on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a question that nobody cares about. If this is a real thing, if he was really sick. I know what you're going to say. You said it yesterday. Yeah. I mean, you know, exposed but, to Ron but, Rivera. But, you know, that, that, that's a problem for me. The other problem is this is a pretty long lasting stomach virus. I mean, we're almost a, we're six, seven days away from that. Of course it is. Um, and, and maybe maybe it is look it maybe it is something serious and I hope he's well I know he lost his dog his puppy last week you know that was something he tweeted out and and you know he had a rough week last week you know he gets benched he lost his dog um, and sounds it, like a country western song <laughs> yeah uh, and 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 he got sick I, I don't know if he's sick or not I really don't but I, I'll tell you what seriously this is Joe Theismann this morning on radio told me that Joe's reached out, but Dwayne hasn't gotten back to him. Um, you mean like from one number seven to another? Yeah, from one number from from a number seven who did have a protection on that jersey to um, the number seven that took it. But you know, and I don't look. I mean, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't care to talk to Joe, and maybe he's talking to other people, and maybe other people that are giving him good advice. But Joe said something today that. Just it's it's exactly the way I feel, and that is, and you, and this is where I wonder whether or not he's getting this kind of advice. You are faced with adversity in your life. You're a young guy. You're 23 years old. Um, no one wants to get benched. No one wants to be told that you're not good enough. You can, you know, you can bail on this, and you can stay home, and you can stay sick, and you can avoid the whole thing, and you can blame everybody else, and you can ask for a trade, and you can go start over somewhere else, or you can, you know, if, if you're really sick, you can go into the hospital, you can get yourself onto, you know, into an IV and get hydrated and get better quickly, and you can get back to work. And you can start to prove to them that they were wrong to make this decision. And you can be the first one in the building, the last to leave. You can be sitting in the front row of every meeting, asking every question, taking every scout team rep, and in this particular week, you know, impersonating Daniel Jones on the scout team, the guy that you basically said the league done messed up and you were pointing at him and you can try to kick people's asses in practice this week and you can try to prove them wrong and maybe even change their mind but i you That's know That's not who he is. Okay, so what i'm saying to you is i don't know any if any of this is true if if what i'm about to say but if he's not getting that advice from the closest people to him 
that's a problem because they're in the business of having all the answers and doing, by the way, what this organization's always done at the top, which is blame everybody else for their record, blaming everybody else for their failures. And, uh, you know, if if he really was slacking off, and, and by the time, there's too much smoke here, too much good reporting on this to believe that it's all been made up, Right. You agree with I that. would agree. I yeah. would agree. So there, there's an issue here with his preparation, his work ethic, and it's the old thing that, you know, I've mentioned many times and talked to you about it and Cooley about it. Some people get it and some people don't. And those that don't understand what kind of effort it takes, you know, and the responsibility that you have, sometimes they'll never get it. But they're definitely not going to get it if they've got people around them that are telling them they're right and that they haven't made the mistake, and that they haven't been treated fairly. You know, even if he hasn't been treated fairly, so what? Show up and, and, and it, it, if, you, if you compete and if you go in there and, and try to change their mind, at least now you, th- th- that word will get around to the rest of the league too. And somebody will be more, look, this kid could be in, in trouble right now of never being picked up. I think he's got way too much talent for somebody not to take a chance on him. But it looks like they may not be able to trade him because no one's going to give up anything for him. When nobody's going to give up anything, if this is true, for a guy that was drafted in the first round uh, a year and a half ago and has not been seriously injured, that is, that's unprecedented unprecedented. Jamarcus Russell was being taken around to building seven years after he'd failed. Ryan, uh, I don't know about Ryan Leaf. I sort of forget the uh, the Ryan Leaf um, uh, path. But, I mean, this kid probably doesn't understand, and those around him may not understand. Yeah, he was, he was drafted into an absolute terrible situation. That's a tough break for him. It's too bad that he wasn't drafted into a situation where somebody had his back other than the owner. I'm talking about football people, had his back and wanted him to succeed. He hasn't been in that situation here. So what? You know, but um, you know, now now you got now you gotta find that place, but you're not gonna find that place by staying home from work and basically you know, quitting. Just the notion, if you have as much pride and confidence in your ability as you would think Dwayne Haskins does, just the notion that Kyle Allen is starting ahead of you should be motivation enough. Just the fact that you're looking at yourself and you're saying, look at how good I am, and this guy's starting ahead of me? I mean, I'll show you. I'll show, I'll, I'll, I'll show you what you got there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, a, I mean there, there should be at least that level of pride that says your job just got taken from a guy who you think can't can carry your job probably. Yeah. No, there's uh, look. There's no doubt about that. And if if the story, which I, I believe to be true, Grant reported it first, and Ben at the Athletic, you know, confirmed it. You know, think about that. You've just gotten your ass kicked by the Ravens, and you're talking about your stats, and you're gloating about your stats. That's a child. I mean, that is the maturity level of that. The the, the I mean, the doesn't get it level is just I'll tell you this Tommy if I were the coach and I had a guy in there after we got our ass kicked talking about his stats and his fantasy numbers 
and I I was already predisposed to thinking that he couldn't do it and couldn't help me long term, it would be over, done. I wouldn't publicly submarine him. I wouldn't leak stuff, and I'm not saying that Ron did, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if you know another coach did. I have no idea if that's true, but I, somebody in that building leaked something about the work ha- uh, habits. Think about it, who who would have gained the most based on his performance and the team's offensive performance through the first five weeks, uh, through the first four weeks, to find out that the quarterback wasn't preparing and was lazy and had bad work ethic. You can do the math on that one. But anyway, um, if if I was already leaning strong in a big direction towards he's not my guy for the future, and he was in that locker room after a 31-17 loss to the Ravens gloating about his stats, I would have I would have told him he's not he's not coming back in the building. I mean, actually you couldn't handle it that way because you got to trade him. But I would immediately tell him you're not playing next week. You're the backup now. Um, and then I would immediately go into Kyle Smith and to Dan Snyder, Dan Snyder, and say we're trading him. This is what happened. I will not coach the kid. Period. He's a child. He's a child. He doesn't get it. And I don't think he's that good anyway. We got to move on. I t- <laughs> I'd love to be there for that one. I mean, again, these I, I, coaches, I, it wouldn't surprise know, me think, if it happened I, with Ron Rivera. I, I think that, no, I w- that would surprise me if it did happen. Uh, actually, really, I think ultimately, yeah, I think ultimately, most of these football coaches, if not all of them, are intimidated by the people who hired them. Mm. Jay Gruden, the, Jay Gruden wasn't intimidated by Josh Norman. No, by the people who hire them, the oh, owners. Oh, the, uh, but I'm, no, I'm suggesting that I, if if Ron, if that story is true, and I would believe that it would be given, uh, I, I would believe that it is true, that Ron probably went to him and said, and if he heard it, said uh, that you're not that would that would that may have been the last straw. Yes, it may have been, but I don't see him walking into the owner's office and declaring. Well, he had anything. to tell the owner that he was benching him. Why? What do you mean why? He said that he had he talked to Dan about benching him. Okay. And Dan well, said he was fully supportive. Well, why did he have to? Well, why do you think he had to? He said that he didn't have to talk to anybody. And then remember, uh, 30 seconds later in the same answer, he said yeah. he did talk to him. Because he didn't have to talk to anybody. He, arguably, he's right. He's the coach. Well, I understand what would be right or uh, in, in the way to do it. What are you saying? You don't you don't think he had to he had to tell Dan? You think he just benched you think Dan just picked up the you know, picked up his phone and saw on Twitter that Dwayne got benched and, and he and the coach didn't tell him? Well, obviously not, but what would be the stronger message to the owner? From from the coach? Yeah. You made me coach centric. Told me that I that I've got control. This is what we're doing. But that's not well, the way he does it. He talks to Mr. Snyder all the time. There's no way he would have left, left Mr. Snyder out of the loop. <laughs> There's no chance Mr. Snyder is always in the loop. He's Mr. Snyder. That loop. <laughs> Boy, that loop is frayed and greasy and There's something else I thought. Dirty. There's something else I thought. Let me just, predictions today on Dwayne Haskins. Yours first. Uh, I don't think he's going to be traded this season. I think he'll be traded in the offseason. I think he'll wind up back on the field somehow for this team. Um, 
I mean, I think what's the mo- what's the most unlikely scenario for Dwayne? Yes, and that and, he's uh, the starter in twenty twenty one. I think that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's, I, I, now uh, okay. I've adopted the the, 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 the George Costanza opposite theory. Yeah, the, the contrarian you know? opposite thing. Yes, um, yes, whatever you think could possibly happen is what's going to happen. Actually, because this snowballed so quickly, and no one would have predicted by week four that Dwayne Haskins would be off the team, literally. I think the possibilities in order, I'm going to rank them for you. Ready? Number one, he gets traded by the deadline. That's the, the and, and I'll put that at 22%. Okay. Traded by the deadline um, at 22%. Traded in the offseason, I'll put it 20. Actually, I'm going to put traded by the deadline at 32%. Traded in the offseason at 31%. Those are ba- it's almost a dead heat that he's traded. Okay, so I've got 37% left. So let me give you this one. He's on the roster next year is 8%. He's on the roster as a starter next year. Actually, that's eight, that's eight percent. He's that can't be eight percent. Uh, let me let me change my percentages here. You're um, a little bit limited tra- sometimes. Traded aren't you? <laughs> traded at the deadline is forty two percent. Trade uh, traded in the off season is forty one percent. Okay, that's eighty three percent. Released by the uh, in the off season is seven percent. Okay. okay, you got 10% left. I have 10% left. Released by the trade deadline is 4%. Okay. Starting quarterback next year um, is... Ooh, I've got... You got is, 6% left. Is 3% and backup quarterback is 3%. I want okay. those to be at 1%. So I'm I'm gonna make each one of those at one per. Those are zero percent. What am I talking about? Those are zero. In or here are the odds. Okay, That's the odds are happen. he's going to be traded, and I think it's almost dead even odds on traded before the deadline or traded in the off season. I also think what comes after that is he's he could be released. He's not going to be on this team next year. Okay, maybe a 05 percent chance. Okay. Are you glad we went through that exercise? I'm always impressed with your math skills. I I do want to um, share something with you that I was thinking about right before the show started because it it has to do with the football team, and we'll do it right after this word from one of our sponsors. So I was thinking about this um, before the show started today, and I don't know what made me think about it, but do you know that it was only a month ago, one month ago, We were talking about the big win over Philadelphia, the Chase Young performance and how great he was and how great the defense was in the opener against Philadelphia. And how great the coaching staff was. And how good the coaching staff was and how Dwayne came through with some clutch throws late. And But as we were looking forward to on the Thursday before the Sunday game at Arizona, and I said to you, I think – I am as excited about a game as I've been in a long, long time. And you said, no, 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 you're curious. 
It was a curiosity thing. But you you agreed that, yeah, there there's a reason to watch this game against the Cardinals. They beat Philadelphia in the opener. The defense was better. I mean, we, we already had big expectations for the defense, and it had, you know, whatever it was. It was, was it seven I sacks? I think it had or- eight, eight sacks. Eight sacks and 30-some-odd pressures. It was, it was yes. unbelievable. And they made Philadelphia. They beat the hell out of Carson Wentz. And it was like, wow, this game at Arizona is a really intriguing game. It is. I'm excited for it. I was. I was like, you know, if they can win this game and it's another dominant defensive performance and Kyler Murray has trouble and they shut DeAndre Hopkins down and, and Kenyon Drake, I mean, what are we going to be talking about on Monday if they're 2-0? and And that was only a month ago. Only a month ago. And here we are, yeah. a month later, they've lost four That's games. That's okay. That's okay because now they've got the winnable part of their schedule according the next, to the head coach. The next six games. Um, yes, now now they, they can start playing. The next, you know, they, were, they weren't really playing before. Since then, they've lost four in a row. The quarterback of the future has been benched and will likely be traded and will never play again for this team. And it's just amazing. Not just lost four in a row, but given up 30 points or more in every loss. Yeah. Um, Cooley did a really int- had a really interesting defensive breakdown. For those of you that missed it yesterday, go listen to it. It starts um, at about the hour nine mark, I think it is. But one of the things he said, he said it's really clear to him in watching them that Rivera's defenses, which were good defenses in Carolina, were really spearheaded and led by their linebackers, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis Thomas and Jack Davis. Thompson and others. Yes. And that he he the linebacking situation is awful. He he said that John Bostic played one of the worst games that he's ever graded for a defensive player since he's been doing this on Sunday. And he said wow. he, he said, you know, they've got they have to get linebackers. They've got to get linebackers and Micah Parsons, who plays at Penn State, and I mentioned this yesterday, is a projected top three to top five, top six pick. He opted out um, uh, of the of the season, which starts next weekend in the Big Ten, um, for you know the COVID nineteen uh, opportunity to opt out. But it's just amazing how much a month um, changes uh, the perspective. You know, my perspective on the organization hasn't changed. I've always said, like yeah. you've said, you know, you're your Surgeon General's warning, I understand that uh, completely. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter. As long as he owns the team, they're going to lose more than they win and there's going to be more turmoil than less, period. It's the, It'll never, ever, ever work. They'll have the occasional oddball season where things seem to come in line and they stay healthy and it's 9-7 and seven and it's a first-round playoff loss, but that's the best that they can hope for. Uh, but man, it is amazing how quickly things change. And of course, to your point, the coach probably, and I think he legitimately believes that Kyle Allen can come in and the and the competition. He called um, he called the next uh, five games yesterday interesting. I mean, <laughs> if that's not like for the opponents, he basically just referred to us as winnable games. Yes, you know, like really. Washington, it, I, I think I said this to Cooley yesterday. I'm going to say it to you. The Giants, I've watched them a couple times. 
Washington's not better than the Giants. I'm not saying they won't win the game Sunday, but Daniel Jones, for all of the flack that he's taking, you know, with the results and the turnovers, the 0 and 5, the he passes the eye test for me. I watch him and I'm like, yeah, I would I would definitely continue to invest in this. There is something there. I feel the same way about Sam Darnold. In in the other New York, on the other New York team, um, I, I I you know I just wouldn't give up on that. They're they're licking their chops about getting the first one of the year this Sunday. I mean they're favored for crying. Does, does Rivera even know that that the interesting part of the game is actually not that he that the, you know all of a sudden they've got this weak part of the schedule, but that they're going to be underdogs in all of those games as well. <laughs> You know, I don't know where you're driving this train or not, but there's a couple of other subjects that I was hoping to bring up. Well, I mean, you, uh, before we're done here, you're entitled. Um, and let's get to them right after we take another break for a word from one of our sponsors. All right. Uh, you had something else that you wanted to get to before we finish up for this. Yeah, it, it, it could get back to boxing because there was a documentary. And I, if you wanted to find the link for it, I posted it on my Twitter account and my Facebook page. Uh, it's called The Fighters, a documentary on Ali Fraser 1. It's a, it's a rare documentary. It hasn't been seen that much. And I know there's been a lot out there about the fight, uh, you know, traditionally, because it's considered the greatest sporting event of the 20th century. Uh, but uh, what's interesting about this is there's lots of footage of Jack Kent Cook. Uh, the former Washington football owner in this documentary talking cook being the guy who put up the $5 million, right. Uh, for, you know, for, for the fight. Uh, so there's a lot of cook footage and briefly there's some George Allen footage in there. George Allen. Yes. But why? Because, uh, cook, because Jack Ken cook at the time was a minority owner. Yes. Cook had a, uh, a party before the fight. Uh huh. Uh, celebrity party, and uh, Lorne Green is shown, you know, the, the Bonanza star, right. uh, Ben Cartwright, uh, talking about the fight and standing next to him is George Allen. And he's not drinking a glass of milk, I can tell you that. <laughs> really? It could be water, but it ain't milk. Well, you know, Tommy, the fight was March of 1971, so George Allen had just been hired. He hadn't yes. even coached his first game. Um, in Washington, that would come in the fall of 1971. But I'm just I'm I'm wondering in 1971, Cook had a he's he had a minority interest if, if, from the late 60s on, right? Yes, yes, he did. Uh, it's it's a great documentary. It shows the whole fight, which everyone has seen oh, yeah. many times. But the stuff before the fight is really good. Good stuff on Burt Lancaster who did the uh, an- analysis on, on the, on the, the uh, with Don the Dunphy. Close, yeah. On the closed circuit broadcast, right. Uh, you know, pictures of all the celebrities in the crowd, pictures of, of Frank Sinatra taking pictures for life magazine. Oh, yeah. He covered the fight for life magazine, but, but the cook and the brief glimpse of Allen, I thought was pretty interesting. So if you want to take a look at that, uh, you could find it. On, on my uh, Twitter account. The other thing I wanted to bring up to you is, have you ever heard 
of a guy named Ninja? No, I have not. Tyler Blevins. His nickname is Ninja. Okay. This guy is an esports star. And uh, I'm, I'm enamored with esports because it's a whole world that exists that I don't know anything about. But there's there's huge amounts of money being made in it right now. Right. Well, this guy, Tyler Blevins, was was made a star because he was a apparently a tremendous Fortnite player that uh, video game right. that everybody plays. And he wound up, you know, he would broadcast him playing on Twitch. You know, Twitch is this this online network. Have you ever watched Twitch? No. I've watched a little bit of it here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's it may be the future of, of, of sports broadcasting where people watch the games and fans interject their own commentary and there are no color commentaries or, or play-by-play guys. But this guy had an account on Twitch and he used to broadcast himself playing Fortnite. And uh, he wound up with 16 million followers. Well, it says that he set the Twitch record in March of 2018 for the largest concurrent audience or on an individual stream um, when he was playing Fortnite with Drake, Travis Scott, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. He just got – well, the news was that just his name just came out because he just signed a deal with a creative arts agency, CAA, yeah. to represent him. Uh, you know, the Hollywood reporter said he wants to try his hand at producing, acting, and other entertainment ventures. This was some some goofball at home playing Fortnite who became a star. And Kevin, it's scary because this is a world I'd like to think I understand media. This is media. I have no clue about it whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. I mean, I've played video games more recently than you have because I was big into Tiger Golf and and Madden with my boys, you know, up until a few years ago. So I I know that he, you know, I'm familiar with esports and I'm familiar with the growth. And obviously, I think there are people here locally like Ted Leonsis who who believe it's it's uh, there's there's a huge future to it. And you just you just described that. Um, can I just go back to Fraser uh, Ali one for a moment? It's your podcast, buddy. Um, it's funny that you brought it up because the other night it was on TV. I think it was on ESPN, maybe ESPN 2 or something. And my son was watching it. Corbin, my middle son, was watching it. And, you know, he's gotten into boxing recently. He's gotten into the sort of uh, watching, the, you know, the documentaries on Ali and different things. And he knows that I that's an era that I loved boxing. And, you know, I said that he goes, do you know what this is? And I go, yeah, that's that's Ali Frazier one. And I said, that is probably the greatest and most anticipated sporting event of the 20th century. And he's like, seriously? And I said, without question. Uh, I don't know if there's even a close second. I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, Tommy. But Ali, who I think had one one warm-up fight against Jerry Quarry, uh, maybe two, I, I don't recall. But um, off of the three-year hiatus. He did have two. He fought Bonavena before he fought Fraser. Okay. 
Um, he had a tough fight against Bonavane, yeah, who's a t- who was a tough guy. Fifteen rounds, yeah, and then yeah. that set up um, a match between two unbeaten champions, the current you know champion, which was Frazier, who took Ali's crown, and the people's champion, which was Muhammad Ali, and it was a culture you know uh, battle between you know uh, anti-war and war, or you know establishment and anti-establishment, and you know I, I, I've watched so many documentaries which have included so much on this fight i'm going to watch what you what you're uh, asking me to watch i can't wait to watch it actually um but that that fight every everything you read from anybody that was there it was the most electric atmosphere for anything the most anticipated sporting event of the 20th century and there's not a close second you would agree with that right well there is a close second and it's another fight it's the second Joe Lewis Max Schmeling fight in right. 1938. The whole world. Right on the brink sure, of World, world War, II. War II. Yeah. You've got uh, Hitler's heavyweight champion, Max Schmeling, fighting Joe Lewis, yeah. the Brown Bomber. Lewis knocked uh, him out in the first round, had, right? Who he had beaten. Uh, Schmeling had beaten the first time they fought. This right. was a rematch. Yeah. That was the probably the, the close equivalent to, at the time, Ali Fraser won in terms of political overtones beyond a fight. Right. I mean, the heavyweight championship used to be an important, powerful political tool. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Hitler wanted the heavyweight champion. Mussolini thought, you know, when Primo Carnera, who turned out to be kind of a stiff, was the heavyweight champion for a while, Mussolini was infatuated with it. There was there was a, a strong symbolism to being the heavyweight champion. Sure. Right up until the end of the 20th century, and now it doesn't mean anything. Didn't Lewis anymore. knock him out in the first round? Yes, he did. And didn't fact, they eventually I, I become friends? Audio. Yes, they did, because Max Schmeling was not a Nazi. Right. Uh, and uh, he became a very wealthy man uh, as the guy, I think, in charge of Coca-Cola in Germany. Uh, and uh, But he was, very, he was a very good man, very kind to Joe Lewis. Uh, in his later years, and uh, you know who who he fought for was not reflective uh, of who he was. Where was the uh, fight? Uh, I think it was in Yankee Stadium. And you know who the referee? The referee was Art Donovan Sr. Artie Donovan, who played for the wow. Colts. His yeah. his father refereed twenty three of Joe Lewis's uh, fights. Wow. Heavyweight, heavyweight title fights. Uh, I mean, I've got some of it on audio. I listen to it sometimes on my phone. It doesn't last very long, but it, it's great. And Donovan watching the two fighters very closely. You know, <laughs> you know I'm, I, I just pulled up the, uh, the Wikipedia page on this. Um, do you know that Schmeling negotiated after his victory over Lewis, the, his next fight was going to be with James Braddock, who is Cinderella. Yeah, you know, Cinderella man. Cinderella man. And um it's in Cinderella, he's Cinderella man. Um and uh and the talks fell through and that led to a much more anticipated rematch between Lewis and Braddock. What was the first fight? I know Schmaling won, but was it a decision? Was it a knockout? I don't remember offhand what yeah. it was. So Yeah. Wow. And here's here's one more thing about Ali. When you if you're watching that fight again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, one of the things I've been doing when I've been home, I have a bunch of interviews I've done over the years that are typed up on paper, but not digitally anywhere. 
So I've been transcribing all these interviews that I've got and putting them in digital. And I, I, I've tons of interviews with Eddie Futch, who was Joe Fraser's trainer uh, for that fight. And I, I came across a line that, that when, when you read it, all of a sudden it hits you, but you don't think about it just watching Ali. Ali never threw a body punch. Never. In that first fight. In any fight. No, not many. He was not a guy that went to the body. No, never. It was scoring with that jab and just peppering yeah. that jab. It, it was all head hunting. Yeah. And he was such an unorthodox, unusual fighter. He rarely would go to the body. He would almost always go to the head. Yeah. Sharpshoot like that. Well, it was... I mean, that's just that's just stu- it's, If you watch all his fights, it's stunning to see a fighter successful who doesn't, you know, go to the body and the head will fall kind of philosophy. It's also, uh, when you watch his fights, amazing to see somebody with that speed in that division. Yes, yes. Um, Anyway, all right, Uh, that's it for the day. Uh, Back tomorrow, Football Friday. Cooley will be with me. We'll preview, if you're even interested, Giants (laughs) and Washington. Uh, some other big games this weekend, and certainly a huge college game on Saturday night. Um, by the way, another college game just canceled. Uh, Cincinnati, who's undefeated, they've got COVID tests, and their game with Tulsa was just canceled. I, this is – I don't know how the college football season's going to make it to um, – they're going to – you're going to end up with a playoff, Tommy. You're going to end up with four teams in a playoff at some point in January. Um, but they're going to be a bunch of games that just I don't think we'll see. Uh, we'll see, you know, rescheduled. They'll be rescheduled. I don't, I don't know that they'll ever make it to it. Um, yeah, because uh, like, I mean, unless you're hiding under a rock somewhere or you want to stick your head in the sand, the COVID situation isn't getting better. I know. Um, all right. Thanks. Uh, back tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.